You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. Chuck Armstrong, it's welcome all the way from New York to uh, the South Pacific. Uh, you're the director of the Decadal Plan for LEAD NYC, which is uh, an amazing group um, spearheading and uh, entrusted to steward a, 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 an equally amazing plan to see um, New York impacted for the kingdom of God. So welcome. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Really a privilege to get a chat with you and, and to share my own journey and the ups and the downs in this journey. Um, yeah, you know, for me, uh, I am a, I'm a pastor in New York City. Um, I've My wife and I have lived in New York City for 11 years, and we've been married for 13, so it's, it's our home. It's where we have, um, where she has given birth to two children, and where we're raising them. And, and so we have both in our own unique ways have felt called into New York City. And as a family, we felt called to New York City. And so in our work, whatever work we do, we always do it with New York City in mind. And so my wife is a, is, she's an urban designer and a lands, landscape architect. And much of her work is changing the landscape of New York City, which is a, a very urban city that has a lot of asphalt and concrete. And as a landscape architect, uh, her passion is to create more parks, more pedestrian walkways, those kinds of things. Uh, for me as a pastor, my, my, you know, my hope and my, um, my, my journey and my, my expectancy is to see the city changed and flourishing uh, for the glory of God. And not just in the church, but, but in all sectors of the city, this New York city is, is, is vast with, with industry and vocation uh, with, with different um, backgrounds and experiences and walks of life and just everything. It, we run the gamut in New York city. And so to really see how the kingdom can um, flourish for the sake of God, for the sake of his people. And so uh, for me as a pastor, I was at a church um, for about four years and um, prior to coming on staff with LEAD. And I got connected to LEAD as a pastor. And so LEAD, LEAD exists to, to nurture pastors and leaders in community for the flourishing of New York City. They, they, we do a lot of different things at LEAD, but you know, if you could boil it down to one thing, that's what it is. It's nurturing leaders in community. Uh, all for the flourishing of, of New York City. And so for me as a pastor, I got connected to LEAD and began to attend some of their prayer gatherings, some of their events, really getting connected to other pastors. And it was so, I mean, I, I would say it was life-changing for me because as you know, as, as everybody knows, wherever you might be, whatever context you're in, it's very easy to put blinders on and to just think, just to look ahead and not look around and not pay attention to what other people are doing. And what lead really helped me see was just how big the kingdom is in New York city. And to really begin to see all the work that's being done in different neighborhoods, different boroughs, 
different denominations, all of these different things. And so I just, I, I fell in love with lead and the team and, and their efforts and everything. And so uh, when I left the church that I was at, I left uh, with the intention to plant a church and as well as be intentionally bivocational. And, uh, and so uh, it was unexpected, but uh, definitely providential that I was able to come on staff with lead NYC and specifically to, to spearhead and, and to direct this vision of the decadal plan, this 10 year vision uh, that our founder, Mac Peer, really, really worked through uh, to see uh, a million new New Yorkers reached and impacted by the gospel by 2030. It's a big vision. It's a big goal. And I think one of the reasons why it spoke to me, why I felt drawn to it is because of that, because it is, it's so big that Mac can't do it by himself, that lead can't do it by itself, that it is truly a, a kingdom-minded vision uh, to see to see the flourishing of, of the greater metro New York area. And so, so I came on staff um, about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, to uh, help begin to direct this. And uh, it has been really incredible to, to dive into this. And it's been really tough. And there are, there have been ups and downs. There's there's been lessons learned, and um, so I'd be happy to share some of that with you. So um, you know, one of the one of the amazing things about this is, you know, if if you could kind of unpack the decadal plan um, into into, you know, if you could distill it quickly, um, it yes, we want to see a million people reached by the gospel by 2030, but truly, sort of undergirding all of that is a spirit of unity and a spirit of collaboration in the city. And um, if, if you could have every organization, every nonprofit, every leader, every church, if you could have them all tell the story of what they are doing for the kingdom, you would have a million stories coming out of New York City. And, and that's just one city. You would have just a countless number of stories. And one of the one of the things that we really hope to do with the decadal plan is to aggregate, really aggregate all of these stories, all of the work that's already being done, and to tell one story. So not necessarily how many uh, people are coming to this one church, or how many churches have been planted by this one network, or how many people have been impacted by this one ministry, but how many people have been impacted across the kingdom, and telling that one story to show to show the world uh, what is happening with the kingdom of God in New York City. And then also, as we aggregate those stories, as we aggregate that real data, to also compel us toward further action and, and further work. And so we can celebrate, and we can also, we can celebrate the work that's being done. We can also see where work needs to be done. We can celebrate the neighborhoods that are thriving. We can see which neighborhoods really need love and care and attention and resources and all of that. Uh, and so, you know, we want to tell the story, but we want also want to seek transformation. And we believe that we can do, we, we, we believe that by doing these things, uh, God is going to do amazing things. And he's going to, his family, his kingdom is going to grow exponentially in the next 10 years and beyond. Um, and so that's, that for me, that, 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 that really gets me excited, this idea of unity and collaboration. You know, we lead NYC, we are, we're, 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 we're um, non-denominational, we're not tied to any one church or any one pastor or anything like that. And so we work with a lot of different churches and a lot of different organizations. 
And, um, and I love that because no one person's priorities are more important than another's. No one's goals is important than another, where we're really trying to focus on this kingdom work. Um, and, you know, so often we can kind of use language like partnerships or, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in different spaces, not really in my space, but in different spaces, you, you could also use language like mergers and acquisitions and, and those kinds of things. And, and all of those are important and that language matters. You know, partnerships really help establish sort of expectations. But so often in those scenarios, it's what will you do for me and what will I do for you? What, what do I get out of this? What do you get out of this? And my hope and my prayer and truly the probably one of the biggest obstacles of this vision is to kind of break that apart and to really focus on unity and collaboration. And I will tell you, Ian, everybody loves that on paper. <laughs> everybody loves the idea um, I have not yet met one person who says, nah, I'm not into unity or I don't want to collaborate. But the, the trouble or the obstacle comes when you start talking about this big vision and, and aggregating stories and, and working together because everyone's already busy. Everyone's time is already taken. Everyone's schedule is already full. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the really kind of the first point of conversation that I have to have with people and, and that I even have to answer for myself is um, how does this vision elevate the work that they're already doing? How does this vision help these organizations and these leaders as opposed to adding another thing to their plate, making their lives a little busier or a little, you know, a little more difficult? Because when you start doing that, when, when you start adding things to the plate and, and it's hard to see sort of the reason for that, or it's hard to see the spirit of unity behind that, uh, then then collaboration kind of goes out the window. And so for me, that's been, like I said, I've been doing this for a little less than a year now. And that's really been a, a big learning process for me is as excited as I get for this vision. And as much as I believe in this, I wake up thinking about it. I go to sleep thinking about it. Um, that's unique. <laughs> Not everybody's in that position. And so I, uh, you know, it's really pushed me to, to simplify the language, to simplify how I describe the vision to other people, and also to ask and listen. So when I'm talking to leaders or churches or organizations, um, I, I'll cast this vision. I'll, you know, I'll try to do that as, as well as I can, but I also want to hear, hear from them. I want to sit and listen. What are they doing? What do they need help with? you know, if, if, if they could have a blank slate, what, what would make their, their work amazing, even more amazing, you know, what would make their, their reach even bigger than it already might be. And, and that's, that's been, you know, that, like I said, that that's, that's been a learning process. So, so a bit of a down, but it's also been really amazing to, to have those relationships and engage in those conversations. Go on now and perhaps explain um, some of the uh, detail of how uh, that heart works out in practice, um, in the implementation of um, this amazing vision? Yeah, so we have, um, you know, we have this big vision of, of a million people by 2030. Um, and that is kind of the, you know, if, if you've ever heard Mac Peer talk about this, you know, that he'll, he'll call that the North Star, kind of the, the beacon that, that guides us. Uh, but from there, we, we have been focusing on five different areas um, of work and of and more tangible action. And those areas include church planting, 
And this isn't just, you know, let's see a, a lot of, a lot of new churches, but really it's also about church revitalization. It's about how can we support pastors, especially in this pandemic and coming out of this pandemic? How can we really live out the vision of Lead NYC that's nurturing leaders? And so how can we invest in their spiritual health? And 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 with new church planters, how can we ensure and, and be part of their health so that 10 years from now their church is thriving and it's healthy? Um, and and so in that in that regard, you know, church planting is not what Lead NYC does. We've we've never planted a church, and I don't think we ever will. Uh, and so we really rely on relationships in the city through different organizations, through different networks. Uh, I have I have a lot of conversations with different networks and different denominations, and and just again seeing what are they doing? Do they need help with with recruiting for training? Some of them don't. You know they they they're they're doing really well, but you know others it's great to be connected to to pools of candidates or or that kind of thing. Um, you know, to really ensure that some of these pastors and planters know about the prayer gatherings that lead hosts and those kinds of things. Uh, because as I experienced personally as a pastor, those are really life-giving and those really, really uh, build a, a strong foundation. Um, and so, so church planting is, is one area of focus. Uh, another area of focus is, is, we can call it a lot of different things, but perhaps the most simple is faith and work. And so, you know, how does how does the gospel affect the marketplace and, and different industries and vocations? Uh, my my background is actually in in journalism and in radio, and so um, I I have a I have a deep appreciation for um, what it means to to embody your faith in a secular space. And so, uh, but again, lead this is, isn't really lead NYC's work. Um, and so we're establishing relationships with, with faith and work organizations in the city. We have a lot of great connections with, with business leaders. And, and so working with them and hearing from them, you know, what is it like to be a Christian in your industry and, and sharing their stories. We've, we've been able to, to record some of these conversations and, and share them with the public. And so that's been really helpful. Um, so church planting, faith and work. Another area is the next generation. Uh, again, if you've heard Mac talk about this, and if you've seen any research, it, it's very. It's, I think it's. I think it's safe to say that the future of the church uh, relies on this next generation and on whatever we want to call that. You know, I, I don't think it's millennials. I think we're we've aged out of that, uh, but Gen Z and and beyond. Um, and so, you know, what's it mean to not only, you know, to not only um, disciple someone, but really empower them and equip them to lean into their calling. And so uh, what I love about this 10-year vision, you know, that, that it's 10 years is that um, when, we, when we really kind of publicly announced it in the fall of 2020, we looked ahead of 2030, the class, the graduating class of 2030, they're in fourth grade right now. And so, you know, really like beginning to pray for those kids and to think like at the end of this vision, these kids will be graduating from high school and going to college, figuring out their careers, whatever that might be. And so, so that, that gave me sort of this new perspective of, of really what does it mean to disciple and empower? And so that's catechizing kids, you know, when they're eight years old with the, in the family, through middle school, through high school, through college. And so um, for us as lead, that's establishing relationships with all of these different ministries that do this work at different ages. Um, it's, it's really beginning to, to see 
what, what does it mean for someone to go through a ministry in middle school and then another ministry in high school and then another ministry in college? And how can we help connect names to organizations? How can we help uh, resource kids who are graduating from high school who might need a scholarship for, for college? We're, we're beginning to, to um, have conversations like that in the city, which has just been really exciting and, and, and um, encouraging. And so, um, yeah, so we can, we can head down a, a long road talking about the next generation, but um, I think that's probably one of the most important areas of focus. LEAD, we have a, a, an initiative called um, the Youth Pastors and Emerging Leaders Fellowship, and so that's been uh, a group um, led by a few specific leaders who really um, feed into these both youth pastors, but also young leaders who are growing up. And, and so, um, you know, how can we equip them well and empower them well and ensure that when they're released or when they're sent out wherever they go, that, um, that they're, they're, they're going on a really strong foundation. Uh, and so it, that's been, I think that's just been a really encouraging and hopeful space for us to be in. So church planning, faith and work, next gen. Uh, the, the, the fourth area is, um, you know, there's a lot of different words we could use, but but um, we, we typically use the word marginalized. So uh, working in and serving uh, communities that are marginalized, communities that are so often overlooked. Um, prior to the pandemic, I think it was something like 43% of all New Yorkers were living at or under the, the poverty line. And so uh, I, I can only imagine that number is, is, is much higher uh, in the pandemic. Again, prior to the pandemic, um, something like 80, 85,000 New Yorkers uh, were sleeping on the streets uh, every night. And again, in the pandemic, I, I know that number is higher. And so what would it look like for the church not only to serve this community, these communities, uh, and truly, yes, acts of mercy are, 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 are vital. I think we're called to that, but also to begin to see justice play in these communities. And so um, prior to the announcement of the decadal plan, about a year prior to that, we uh, lead NYC announced the 10 zip codes project and, and you can find it online. Um, it's still active and it's actually, it has become part of this decadal plan, part of this 10 year vision. Um, and the 10 zip codes project takes a look at 10 of the most overlooked communities and neighborhoods in the greater New York area. And similar to sort of the, the, the hope of the decadal plan, we, we try to aggregate the stories of God's work in these communities and tell those stories. And it's amazing. You can go into this, some of these neighborhoods and, and you can have a perception that because they, they're, because it might be marginalized or impoverished that, you know, they're not, that, that the, the work of God's not happening. And yet the work of God is happening. Churches are coming together for food pantries and clothing distribution and, and, and school justice and all of these different things. And, but then also not just having that data, but really compelling transformation. And so the 10 zip codes project is pretty foundational for us in this work uh, with the marginalized. Um, a phrase we've been starting to use is caring for the fragile caring for the young and the fragile. And so uh, beginning to also put a focus on families and, uh, you know, being, being advocates for families and being advocates for children in these neighborhoods. And so, again, I think similar to the next generation, uh, the, these next 10 years, God's going to do amazing work in the next generation. God's going to do amazing work in these communities. Um, and so, uh, so, so church planting, uh, faith and work, the next generation, the marginalized. And then the fifth area 
you know, I probably should start with it, but it's, it, it's prayer. It's, it's united prayer, uh, kingdom prayer. And so our, our, our hope is that um, by the end of this vision, well before the end of this vision, that we will have uh, a quarter million people praying every single day for these million people. Um, and, and so we, we distribute prayer guides every month with kind of daily prompts so that, you know, the, however many people are receiving this, I know we email it out to thousands of people. We also share it elsewhere. Um, you know, that, that we're kind of praying in unison, uh, for, for, for similar things, uh, for the kingdom. We also lead also, we do, we do monthly prayer gatherings pre COVID. They were in person in the middle of COVID, we kept doing them and they've been virtual and just really, God's really met us in those. We also do annual prayer retreats. I mean, Mac, Mac's history in New York City is, is truly on, on the foundation of prayer and, and starting the greater, the, the concerts of prayer movement in New York. Um, and, and for 31 years, we've been holding an annual prayer retreat. Uh, and, and even in January of 2021, in the middle of this pandemic, we, we held it. And it, it looked a little different than normal, but uh, we, we still held it. And so uh, initiatives like that are really vital, I think, to, again, bringing the kingdom together. And that's how I first experienced LEAD was through prayer and through praying with other pastors uh, from other denominations and other neighborhoods. And so uh, all five of these areas are, are, are where we're kind of focusing in. And I would say those three areas is where LEAD is actively working in uh, prayer and the next generation and the marginalized, where we have initiatives that we're leading and trying to lead and partner with other people. And certainly we're not the only ones in town doing that, uh, but where we have our, our, we have a, kind of a stake in that. Um, and then, and then allowing and not allowing, that's the wrong word, but uh, empowering, supporting, celebrating, cheerleading these other networks and organizations in the church planting and, and faith and workspaces. How do you um, navigate uh, and encourage Christian influence into the politic political scene? Yeah, great question. And if I had the perfect answer for you, I would write a book about it. Uh, but I will say this, that that lead, um, we are, are very much um, uh, supportive of Christian influence in the in the civic space and in the, in the political space and the social space. And if you if you really look at the vision of lead NYC, I think I, I've kind of butchered it, but it's it's nurturing leaders in community for the social flourishing of, of New York City. And so we we believe that these five areas are important. Uh, but we also believe, and I and I think actually in these different five areas, that that sort of involvement with the city, with with politics, with leadership, they it plays a role in some of these. And so, I'll, I'll explain that. Um, our executive director of Lead NYC, Adam Durso, Pastor Adam Durso, uh, he's amazing, and uh, and he's been uh, ministering in the city for 25 years. Um, you know, born and bred New Yorker, and he serves on the mayor's. Um, clergy advisory board. And, and so right there, immediately, we have a, a direct connection. And so LEAD is, is, is very supportive of being involved, because I think God calls us into all these different spaces. And so Adam's really embodied that. Uh, but even so through COVID, we, we helped uh, Adam through that connection, we helped um, get uh, Wi-Fi, uh, kind of raise the awareness of the needs of internet and Wi-Fi and some of the the lower income housing in the city and help support getting Wi-Fi into there and 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 technology advancing technology in the middle of, of this pandemic. And so 
some of those things we would not be able to, to, to do without the involvement or the connection to um, city departments and, and, and city influencers. Uh, I think the future, I think some of the partnerships that we have are, are establishing, uh, particularly in, 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 in families and children, uh, working with, with organizations like Care Portal and Promise 686, uh, that, that, that really are, are about reversing the foster care crisis and creating family advocacy ministries inside lo the local church. Uh, these organizations know that their, the growth of their work and the power of their work really is, will, only, will only amplify and, 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 and expand if we can get involved with the Department of Child Services which is a city secular department. And so, and they've seen this happen in, in Los Angeles, actually, these two organizations, uh, I believe both of them, maybe just one of them, uh, doing work in Los Angeles and, and having those connections with, you know, outside of the church with the city. And the city cares about it because they care about serving the children and serving the families. You know, if, if faith is part of that, it seems that the city has, the Los Angeles County has been okay with that because, it is also serving the the needs that 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 they have, and so I think for us in New York City, we are expectant for that too, for those kinds of relationships. And so we don't shy away from, you know, from institutions like that or departments like that. I think um, I think it's really important for us to be involved. And, and and so I think to your question, we can see that sort of um, play a role in each of these areas. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe not church planning so much or prayer so much, but uh, we can, we, we certainly pray for our leaders. We pray for these institutions. We pray for these departments and these, these, these councils and these boards. Um, and then I think in the, in the space of the marginalized in the space of the next generation, we can really see, um, uh, we can really see the potential uh, if, if the influencers are, are influenced by the gospel, then man, amazing things are going to happen. Another area of justice, uh, social justice activism. I mean, on issues of abortion, domestic violence, um, uh, foster children, a whole range of, um, of pornography, a whole range of social issues. Uh, do you, are there activist groups that, um, uh, you know, fly a flag for these areas and try to bring cultural change across the city? And where would uh, lead NYC fit? Uh, in the uh, you know navigating that uh, particular space, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think these are you know these areas of, of social justice are are, are critical, and um, we don't shy away from them either. And I would say actually one of our um, one of our partners is um, Avail, which is a pregnancy crisis center. They've been in the uh, a, a Christian you know it's a Christian organization, but. Um, They've been in the city since the early '90s, I believe, um, and they haven't always been called Avail, but they're they're Avail now, and um, they're they they just do amazing work, and and they they really kind of traverse the the landscape of, of pregnancy and abortion and 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 serving women and men um, going through this journey and and sticking with them regardless of. Of what happens and, and, and serving them and, and, and serving their families well if that's needed. Um, and so, you know, we're very publicly involved with, um, with Avail, very supportive of Avail, and they, they've been 
uh, so so supportive of of us. You know, we are we're involved with organizations like Youth for Christ, and and we have people on staff who who really do uh, a pretty incredible work um, with uh, with juvenile uh, justice issues um, and and in the city locally, and so uh, very you know proud <laughs> to support them uh, and to and to be supported by them and to learn learn from them. Uh, we're, we're partnered with an organization called Compassion, which I'm sure uh, you and, and others may be aware of, but you know, they're, I mean, at the, at the very core of what they do, it's about releasing children from poverty. And as I've mentioned, Care Portal Promise 686 about, uh, about adoption and the foster care crisis and family advocacy. And so you can kind of go on and on. And I think, um, you know, a lot of our partners, again, the, the beautiful, I, th I think the beautiful and also the messy thing about what Lead NYC does is we, um, we don't necessarily beat our chest and say, we're the experts here. But we partner with the experts. We partner with the people who have been doing this work and been doing it so well. And I say that's beautiful because it really begins to, to connect the kingdom in, in, in unique ways. I say it's messy because all of a sudden you're working with a lot of different uh, organizations and a lot of different leaders and a lot of different goals and, and expectations. But I think the, the beauty of it overpowers the the messiness and I think God meets us in that and I think God really grows us in that messiness and so these issues you you bring up um, they're all all on the table for us to talk about and 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 especially with the partners that we have and so I think I think they're all critical to to seeing this growth happen in the next 10 years and I think God's calling us to acknowledge that address it uh, for the next generation for the marginalized on and on I noticed that in your resources, your, your recommended books, uh, the suggested podcasts and videos, uh, they all look great uh, there. And I've seen and heard some of them um, uh, over time. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any or many dealing with perhaps the theology of the city, the, the whole thing of biblical, the biblical paradigm that we're actually trying to lead Christians into from the, perhaps the old, more indiv individualized uh, evangelical scene of the past, um, everybody perhaps doing their own thing in their own ministry siloed. Uh, now, I understand everything you've just said mitigates against that and is, is the new paradigm, everything you've said today, which is wonderful. But if this is a theological issue, where, where you know, why is there not seeming to be more um, information about, okay, what does the Bible say about really how how christianity should focus in a city uh that's a good question i'm not sure and you know i i uh i'll admit i need to, i guess it would probably be good to do sort of a an audit of the website and to to ensure that that we kind of keep those things refreshed and updated um, i will say Max's latest book uh, new york disrupted i think is a really uh profound look at um at this, at this exact question, you know, kind of the need uh, for a, for a theology of the city, the need for kind of getting away from individualism and more into this communal work as a city and as a kingdom. And he does this through um, through theology. He also does it through kind of history by telling the history of New York City. And so I would really commend that book. Um, one, it's interesting. It's about New York City, so I find it very interesting. But it also gives you a good perspective of you know, for, for your own context, for other people's context, to, to really understand the history that, that precedes you 
where you might be serving or ministering and how that history shapes you and compels you for today and for tomorrow. And so I think that book is, is foundational. And I would also say, I think he, he references the book in New York Disrupted and uh, Mac has referenced it uh, plenty of times, but, but uh, Ray Bakke's book, A Theology as Big as This City, um, I, I think is, is pretty foundational and core to a lot of what Mac talks about. And I think it's been really shaping for Mac and thus shaping for me and, and for, for Lead NYC. Um, so yeah, I think those, those would be two you know, books I would immediately commend to you. And, and of course, there's, there's been a lot of great work being done in New York City over the last 30 years through Mac and through others um, that, that's available. And so I'll, I receive your question and I think uh, it, you know, it'll lead to a, a good refreshing for the website. Uh, Justin, do you have any just stories um, of um, something God's doing through any of these initiatives? Across the, there's something that comes to mind. I mean, no, no pressure. Uh, but if there's something there, yeah, that's no, like you know, by way of testimony. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, we're you know, New York City. Uh, at, at one point, a year ago, we were the epicenter of this pandemic, and. Uh, the city was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Uh, truly like a ghost town. I would go out on the sidewalk to walk our dog and um, there wouldn't be a single car on the street, no buses, uh, no, you know, every place is closed. Um, really eerie, really, really, really scary. And in the middle of all that, I, uh, in trying to plant a church and uh you know, pre-COVID, I had some, you know, I had a lot of expectations and, 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 and ideas for what that looked like. And, and then the pandemic hit and all of that changed and uh, people left the city, you know, uh, venues are shut down. There's no in-person gatherings a year ago or anything like that. And um, what has been really incredible personally is, is that God has remained faithful in that. It's different than I expected. And when we launched uh, our church, <clears throat> Uh, we launched on Zoom, and we are still on Zoom, uh, though I, we're, we're praying and, and actively working on figuring out our in-person gatherings in the next couple of months. Um, but to still see how God has met us as a small community um, and how we have seen some really amazing things happen, uh, people, you know, being met by the hand of God. Uh, and, and so that personally, that's just been really incredible. But then especially because of my work with lead, I've been able to see this elsewhere too. And I've seen, I have, I have friends who have planted churches in the middle of a pandemic. I, I've seen other churches that I wouldn't have been connected to otherwise, but because of, you know, because of lead and because of our work, I, I, I get a sort of a front row seat to seeing some of these things take off. And, you know, it's just amazing to consider where the city was a year ago. And we have a lot, you know, there's, we're, there's no back to normal, you know, there's going to be a new normal, but there's, there's no back to normal after this. Uh, and yet God's kingdom is, is growing and churches are being built and, and people are gathering together, might be virtual, but people are gathering together uh, for communion with one another and communion with God. And so uh, for me, I mean, I just, I cling to that. I cling to that. I, I think, um, as, as uncertain as tomorrow might be, as big as this 10-year vision is, as big as that North Star is, I cling to those, those realities and those truths that, um, that God's at work, and not even a global pandemic can stop that. 
And so, you know, we have to change, we might have to pivot, we might have to adapt because it's not our plans, but, uh, but it's okay. And so, you know, I, I could share a lot of grief with you as well. I'm sure you could too, uh, but I really cling to those stories and cling to my own personal story. Thank you.